you like, you can find your sermon notes and follow along. Fill in the blanks if you like. More importantly, pray about the message. Talk about the message at home with your family and then live the message uh, this week. So a very simple uh, message today, biblical message. It's this, always wanting more hurts me. Always wanting more hurts me, but being thankful helps me enjoy life. And it doesn't matter whether I have less or more or anything in between. So here's the deal. Many of us as the people of God, along with our culture, the culture falls for this all the time, but many of us as well, and that is this, this big myth that more is better. Having more, doing more, achieving more, always more, always better. And that certainly is not the biblical truth. So it kind of begins, well, really the season. Uh, Does anybody know what what season we are in? Fall. Christmas. No, you didn't know that? Yeah, I know. It's Christmas. I mean, the decorations are up. Have you been downtown Crystal Lake? And the lights are up. They're beautiful, but uh, the lights are up. Uh, If you're watching TV anywhere on the Internet, ads are everywhere. You know, I don't know about you, but I would just once like to celebrate Thanksgiving before we get to Christmas. But that is where we begin. It's this whole idea. And, and what are the ads, are about, are, are, what they're all about always? If you just buy this or just give this or just receive this, then all is well and you're happy and, and, the, and the world is great and you are in utopia and bliss. So how many of you uh, bought something really nice last year for someone else? Raise your hand. I hope you did. Okay. How many of you received something really nice last year? Yes, you did. So did I. And it wasn't utopia. It it wears off, right? The toys rust. They get broken. They fade away. That that moment of euphoria, that happiness, it, it wears off. And not just for kids, but for us as adults as well. So we play this game, and it truly is a game. The if only. If only. If only. Right? We begin... If only I had a new car, then I'd be happy. Or if only I got a bigger house, then I'd be happy. If only I got a better job, then I would be happy. If only I had a new wife, I didn't say that, I would be, right? But some people think that, right? But whatever it is, you fill in the blank, then I would be happy. And it begins really in childhood. Uh, You go to school or even before school, you think, wow, you know, preschool was great, but when I get in kindergarten, it's going to be even better. And then elementary school, and then middle school, and, and, and well, then high school, and when I'm a freshman, if only I could be a sophomore, and then could be a senior, and then graduate, and then go to college, and, and then get married, and then have kids. And then you have kids, and you think, if only I could get rid of the kids, right? Then <laughs> I'd be happy. So we spend much of our life thinking happiness is on the other side of an event, a future event. And we forget about being content and happy in the moment. So you can fill in the blanks there. We already went through all of those. You can, you can fill in your own. But it's not just about those future events, growing up and getting married and having kids. It's also the difficulties, right? How many of you have difficulties in life? Raise your hand. That's just about everybody, right? Because that's life, isn't it? 
Life's challenge, life's difficult, life is not easy. So often we think that is, when I get through this, this next difficult period, you know, at work I've got this great project, this big project, it's taken me months, as soon as I get through the end of it, then I can breathe a sigh of relief, things will be good. Or I have this problem with my, with my kid or my spouse, and once we get over that hump, then things will be great, and I'll be happy. But what happens? You get over that hump, you, you fight through, you survive, and then next week you have another one, right? Called life. Now, uh, a little history lesson here, and I'm sure you will pass. What are the three inalienable rights that are in the Declaration of Independence? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we spend our whole life pursuing and getting and buying and getting more and more stuff. But then the stuff gets old. Things break. The money runs out. Maybe our relationships deteriorate. Loved ones die. And we have this despair. The myth is that if we have more, then we will be happy and content. So what we're going to do first is learn to simplify our lives. A lot of you are in the declutter club here at Emmanuel, or if you're not in the club, you are doing that, especially as we get a little older. Um, we look at all the stuff that we have accumulated, especially when, you're, when your kids move out and you discover you have all this stuff that you don't need or even want anymore, and so maybe you get rid of it. So let's begin there. Let's learn to simplify. So one thing you can do this week is make a list. Just make a list of those things that you truly need. Not want, but need. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting. Do not misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with wanting. There's nothing wrong with achieving. There's nothing wrong with having. There's nothing wrong with more unless... That is where you find your joy and contentment. So make a list of those things that, that you need and then see what you might get rid of. You can give it to Goodwill. You can give it to the Salvation Army. You can give it to Savers. Do not bring it to Emmanuel, okay? Do not bring it here. We've got enough junk. Just don't do that. Don't bring it to my house either, all right? Throw it in the dumpster if you have to. But get rid of some of that stuff and then just see how happy <laughs> you are. So begin with that, simplifying your life. There's an old adage that says the richest people are not those with the most money, but with the fewest needs. And I know this to be true. If you've ever gone on a mission trip, you know this is true, and you see the, the simple life that people, people have and how appreciative they are when they get something that they truly need. So, we're going to get along in life with less, which sounds easy, but is not. Because I've known people who have done just this, and they've gotten rid of stuff, they've downsized, they've decluttered, 
I'm still not happy. <laughs> because it's an inside job, isn't it? And we can easily fall into that trap once again, even after we've gotten rid of stuff and simplified, where we fall into the belief once again that we need more. So, to be content, we must learn to have an attitude of gratitude, and that is what our lesson is all about today. So we begin with this, give thanks to God for all your blessings. Now, I put the word in there, blessings, but you might circle all. And we don't always think that everything is a blessing. So you go out there after church today, and, and some of you, you're going to look at your, your car, and it's got a little rust on it, maybe a lot of rust on it. It's not the newest model, and you think, oh, I would love to have a new car. And, and I've done that, and I will do that. But maybe a better approach is just be grateful that you have that transportation, because not everyone does. And then when you get home after church, and you, and you open the front door, and it, it creaks a little bit, and you, you think, oh, gosh, my brother, my neighbor, someone else at work, they have more, they have a bigger house. And how about be grateful for the one you have? And remembering that there are a lot of people in the world who have no shelter at all. Or when your kids get cranky <laughs> and annoy you, or your wife or your husband, be grateful for that relationship. Give thanks to God for all your blessings. We have these scriptures. First of all, in John, from the fullness of God's grace, we have all received one blessing after another. All of these things that we want and that we need, God has provided. So how often then do you think we ought to give thanks? Anybody? How about every day? How about all the time, the next verse, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving celebration here in a couple of weeks. I hope you come. It's on a Wednesday night at 6.30. Sorry, there is no pie this year. But you can invite me to your house and we'll have pie, all right? I'm just saying. I'm not bringing it. I'm not making it. I'm just coming to your house, all right, for pie. Whatever you do, not just one day of the year, but in everything, all the time, give thanks. Certainly for all that stuff we've mentioned, but even more so for the people in your life. You see, the more we appreciate good in our life, the more good appreciate. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to get more stuff. I mean, why would you want more stuff? What do we say about more stuff? That's not where contentment lies. God doesn't promise more stuff. He promises more blessings, which is sometimes stuff. But often is more appreciation for what we already have, including the people in our lives. And so we might complain about the people that are closest to us, but let's begin appreciating the people who are closest to us. So instead of complaining about the people at work, let's appreciate what they do. If you're not happy with your job, instead of complaining about it, how about think about 
the good that whatever you do does for people. Whether it's a product or a service, think about them. And then do this. Put up your hand. Everybody put up their hand. How many fingers? Most of us have five, right? Five fingers. What this means is that for the people closest to you, wife, husband, children, co-workers, they need at least five affirmations a day. Five. And if you do that, you are going to have a healthy relationship. Now, how many of you ever, 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 ever complain about anybody else? All right. We all do. So, for every time you complain, put up this many. Can you do that? Seven. So if you never complain about anybody, if you are the most positive person, five is all it takes. You're like most of us, and you complain every now and then. That's 12, I think. Appreciate the people that God has put in your life. And then we finally come to the so-called secret. Paul calls it a secret. It's no secret. The secret of contentment is this. Give thanks for your relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got the two are better than one up there, but this is the real critical point. Give thanks for your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then that verse, for I have learned to be content. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. Raise your hand if you've ever been in need. Most of us. No, truly. Maybe not as needy as the people on the mission trip in, in Tijuana or Haiti or New Orleans. Maybe I haven't had my house taken away by a hurricane or a flood. But we've all been in need, at least in a moment. Now, how about the other part? And Paul writes, I know what it is to have plenty. Anybody fit that boat? That's probably most of us at one time or another. And Paul writes, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, or any place in between. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Circle the word him. That's Jesus. I can do everything through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. Paul is about to be executed. He's in prison. And yet he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, too often we misinterpret this passage. We think I can do everything, whatever I desire. So if I want to play in the NBA, if I just have enough faith in Jesus through his strength, I can make the NBA. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you are 5'6", unless you are Muggsy Bogues, you will never make the NBA. It is not about what I can do, because the very first part is I've learned to be what? Content. I can be content in any and every situation when Jesus Christ is the center and the focus of all that I do. So, did Paul get out of jail? Do you know your church history? He did, but then eventually he was back in jail and he was executed. 
and it, yet he was still content. What he's saying is whether you make the NBA or not, you can be content. Whether you get that job that you truly want, you can be content. Whether you have the house that you want, you can be content. Whether you have the car that you want or not, you can be content. Whether you have less, you can be content. Or whether you have more because there's no sin in having more, but that's not what gives you contentment. It is Jesus. Because here's the deal. Circumstances will change. And if your contentment is based on your circumstances, there will be many times when you are not content. But if it is centered in Jesus Christ, who never changed, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you can always be content. For the same God who would send his son to take care of your biggest need, which is your sin, and your estrangement from God, if through his death and resurrection, through his suffering of the nails and the crown of thorns, in the thirst, in the scourging, and heap upon that all of your sins and mine. If God can take care of that, He can take care of everything else. When you were baptized, Jesus claimed you as His own. And He's here today to tell you that that old adage is still true. The richest people in the world are not those with the most money, but with the fewest needs. And all we truly need, the only person we truly need, is Jesus. And he lives right here. And he's not going anywhere. So it's my prayer for you, especially, as we get into this very busy season, all the ads about what you need, you will know you already have it. Amen? Let's all rise.